that I want to get back on to. We've got off, off track a couple of weeks, or not off track, we, got, we were on track, but it was what God had told us to, to talk about. The Lord is our shepherd one week, and then we talked about uh, the mark of the beast and how we're marked uh, for God, and that God has got us marked, and, and, and He's going to take care of us in the days ahead. And we'll get back to some of those messages. Uh, I, I feel really like I need to finish what I started, and I feel like the Lord wants us to get back with this week on breaking bread and next week on uh, prayer. In fact, the, just, to, just to, the title will in, in, intrigue you. Uh, shaking can be our making. Shaking can be our making uh, next week, and it's going to finish this uh, series up with prayer. And then, uh, and then after that, I have been praying, and if the Lord doesn't change my mind, I have really been, uh, I, I'm really excited about the next area that God is leading us because I have been, we prayed at the beginning of the year, we felt like God was speaking to us about being on a solid foundation. We've almost gone through a year, another weird year, uh, and uh, I was just kind of, God, how do we keep in this vein? How do we keep preparing? Uh, and I'm seeing things through uh, what what's going on in the world and a lot of the uh, uh, folks and, and there's a lot going on and I'm not going to get on a rant about that but I'm telling you what I've been listening to many messages on communism and brothers and sisters who were under communism and I'm going to tell you what you're in the middle of it you are in the middle of propaganda I'm not going to get on a jag but I'm going to sit here and tell you I've been listening I've been listening to what happens when they when it comes down I've been listening to the methods that they use I've been listening to the methods that they do when they arrest the pastors and what they do to try to bring brainwashing. And I'm going to tell you what, we're, we're under a lot of that right now. And I, and I just say, get in the Word. Get in the book. Get in the book and stay in the book because you need to be in truth. One of the tactics is confusion. And, that, and that's what's being just pushed on the whole world right now is confusion. And if all you're doing is watching the news and, 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 and social media, you're under major confusion because it's all owned by the enemy and you are under some major, major confusion. You can go around and it's just they play the same segments on every station and 99% of our news now is COVID. There's nothing else going on in the world. However, if you can find the real news sources barely still out there, there's a lot going on in the world. The Middle East is on fire. There is burning in Athens, Greece. But you wouldn't know about any of that because all you know about is one subject that they're using just to promulgate and continue to put fear in your minds and to sway this world in the direction that they want to sway this world. And so I'm telling you folks, we're just seeing the formation of one world government, one world economy. And soon, because they can't get us radical Christians on board, you're going to see a one world religion come. And it's going to be very deceptive. And it's going to try to sway the minds and the masses into this, this, this end time thing that's going on and so 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 I don't say all that to scare you I don't say all that to be preachy I just say all that to be aware God already knows what's going on be like the sons of Issachar know the time know the seasons be on the right foundation don't go to the world to get your your source anymore go to God go to God's word and find out what's going on if you want to know what's the the news for today pick this up and read it and it'll be Find to help you to get on board and know what you need to do. Come to church. Don't quit gathering together with the saints. In fact, that's what I was getting at is the last message. I mean, the messages that I'm about to start after I finish these two, if the Lord doesn't change my mind, is there is a book in this Bible that is unlike any other book. 
And it was written for a people at a time like any other time. And it was written for a group of Jews who were living. We don't know what they felt like because people in the history books, should we tarry, they won't know what we felt like right here. They're just going to read about this period, but they're not going to know the overwhelming fear that we've all felt this last year and the overwhelming confusion. They're not going to know what that was. Well, there was a group of Jews in the Bible, and there are all kinds of books that tell about certain things, but there is one book specifically that was written for a people that were in a time kind of like we're feeling, and I can't know what they exactly were feeling, but I can know this. They were getting discouraged, they were getting despondent, and they were leaving the faith. They were stopped, they were, they were convinced not to go back to church, they were convinced not together with believers, they were convinced that, uh, that, that Jesus, maybe it's not all it's cracked up to be, and they were leaving Jesus and going back to Judaism. They were a group of Jews. And, 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 and God said, what do I do? You're thinking, what would God do? And, and, and would he preach another sermon? You know, we're thinking, don't give me another sermon. But yeah, exactly what he does. He writes a letter to these people to help them. And the beautiful thing of this letter that he writes is unbelievable. He finds out that there's this waning going on in their heart because of what's going on. And I'm not going to tell you right now what was going on. I'll tell you on that message in a couple of weeks. But what was going on was causing this depression, this waning to go on the heart and just to leave and be despondent to the faith. The fire was going out in their heart. And so he said, I've got to put the pen in a man's hand, in a quill and in ink, and I'm going to give them something to cause the fire to burn back in their heart again. And that's what we need today because I see the depression. I see the despondency. I see people leaving church and never come. There's people that have never come back to church in over a year. That is not healthy. They have not come back to church. And I'm going to show you where that was the plan to change something and shift into something else. They did it then, and I'm going to show you what's going on now. And then I'm going to show you what the solution was to get the fire burning back in the heart again. And the thing to get the fire burning back in the heart again was the revelation of Jesus. And it was the book of Hebrews. The whole book is about Jesus Christ. And God sa- and he said, if I can reignite your passion about Jesus, then you'll get, you'll get your worship will become exciting again. You're excited to come to church will be, get exciting again. All these things will begin. So we're going to look at the book of Hebrews like you've never looked at the book of Hebrews over several uh, months period toward the end of the year. And, and we'll sprinkle some things in as God tells us, but it's going to be good. So, so buckle your seatbelts up. But today we're going to talk about uh, the Apostles' Doctrine. So let me pray and we'll start. Father, we love you. Speak to our hearts today. Change our lives through the Word of God. Lord, you're so good and we're so great to be able to be in this house gathering together in your name. God, you've not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but you've given us a spirit, uh, but you've given us a, a one of power, love, and a sound mind, God. Lord, we have sound minds in this house. Our eyes are fixed on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, God, uh, who, who, who endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. And, and, and God, we just thank you for that, Lord. Make us strong. Let us finish this year out strong on the right foundation, on a firm foundation, God. Lord, just as the winds of adversity blow and as the, uh, as, as the kingdoms of this world uh, go further off course and, 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 and further away from God, Lord, may we stay stand fast, steadfast on truth. May, may we become, Lord, what we, we're supposed to be, as Revelation tells us, the pillar of truth. The church of Jesus Christ is to 
Be the pillar of truth and uphold truth. Despite what others say, God, even when opposition comes, we are to uphold truth. Who are we going to obey in the days ahead? Are we going to obey God or are we going to obey men? God, we have a choice. And God, I need you to prepare us now. Prepare our hearts, God, so that we will stand in the last days. And when we've done all that we can do, we'll stand some more, God, in the power of Jesus Christ. Lord, you are in us, God. You are living inside of us. You knew apart from you we would crumble just like a sub, just like Lord, like, a, like, like, like if we went down so deep in the ocean, it would crush us like a tin can. But men have learned to build submarines with the, with the strength that they can go so far down that the walls don't crush in and they're safe within that, God. And that's exactly what you did when you came to live inside of us. No pressure from this society. No pressure can d- destroy one of yours, God. No, no pressure can, can crush us or, or, or destroy us, God. And I'm so grateful for that. That, that, that greater is the one that is in me than he that is in the world, God. And I'm so grateful you're with us, God. Bring clarity this morning. Bring, God, uh, where there's confusion, God. Bring, uh, God, peace where there is false peace, God. Bring, uh, God, salvation where there is lostness, God. Bring uh, joy where there is sorrow and mourning, God. Bring, God, uh, just uh, all the treasures out of your world and word and all the treasures out of Christ. And Lord, speak to our hearts and Lord help us to know again how important this 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 subject God this foundational truth of koinonia God this this fellowship that the body of Christ it, it needs so desperately now God and that is being God uh, so attacked by the enemy to, to 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 confuse us to isolate us to get us off by ourselves now God to get everyone separated from one another to get everyone fighting one another God God, there's a unity in you. There's a unity in you. And God, I pray that it will be here. God, so great that, 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 that people will marvel and they'll say, there's God. There's a picture of God. By, by, by these people that love one another, uh, I see God. I see God. And Lord, just let that be done by the Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We started out a few weeks ago and we were talking about a Greek word. That's the word koinonia. Is a term that is used over and over in the Bible for fellowship. And, and we find out that the early church, that, that as they begin to grow and multiply, that there were a few things, Daniel, that, that, that the early church and the disciples decided, hey, these people are going now to the temple every day. They're praying together. They are beginning to gather together in homes. And there's a few things that we've got to make sure that we devote ourselves, and that word devote we learned was to be to stick together like super glue. In other words, we're going to we're going to do, we're going to stick ourselves to these things and make sure, Russell, that we don't avoid doing these when we come together uh, all the time in this Christian fellowship. And it, and when we said it, it, we've tried to do this over the years by taking these and trying to force it down, but it was more organic what was taking place here by the Spirit of God. They were moving as they, as, they, as they had Christ come and live inside of them. They were moving into these things. And the Bible says that, that the first thing that they, they began, and it was joint participation. They all participated. They didn't look at a man up at a pulpit preaching, go home, and never see each other again until Sunday. No, they're meeting together. They're gathering together. They're fellowshipping with one another. They're 
praying for each other. They're checking on one another. They're looking after one another. They're getting together. But when they got together, they were making sure these elements were there within their midst or they're just another group like any other group out there. They wanted to protect something about their relationship with God. And so they wanted to make, and the Spirit of God was moving them into this joint participation like a symphony, we said. You get a symphony. We're all diverse. We all have different ideas. We all have different personalities. So it's hard. Like, we all have different instruments we play. And like when we're sitting down there in the orchestra pit before, we all, we all sound different. But when the master conductor gets up there and he begins to wave his baton, all of us begin to operate. Well, if you got the Spirit in you, I got the Spirit in me. And when the master comes up and the Spirit begins to come together with the body of Christ, all of a sudden beautiful music and beautiful gifts and beautiful talents are beginning to come together in operation. And that's what they said. And the first thing they said, because they knew they had to preserve this, was they said, as young people come in here and as older people stay in here, there's one thing, we can't just write our own Bible. We have a tendency to... to, to uh, that's why a lot of people have discovered, and we do this a lot on Wednesday night, is uh, uh, preaching through the Bible or through books of the Bible because what, what you find out is, is, we found out, when I do a lot of topical preaching, and what you find out when you do a lot of topical preaching, if you're not careful, is we tend to preach on the topics that we like to preach on. Right? When you teach, you tend to like to teach on the things you teach on and avoid the things you don't like when you go through the Bible completely and you have to, that's why we want to read the Bible together systematically because when you read the Bible, you can't skip the parts you don't like. You might can skip them for a couple chapters, but eventually you're going to have to deal with that thing. You're going to read it and understand the totality of God. And that's why in the church it's a good practice not to only do topical teaching and preaching, but it's also a good practice to go by certain books line for line and make sure that we're covering the entirety of the Word of God. And when these people got together, they said, one thing we need to make sure that we're going to glue ourselves together and make sure we're doing is we're going to make sure we're teaching the apostles' doctrine. We're going to make sure that the Word of God is being taught and talked about in our midst. And we talked about how God thought this so important that He had kings write. Every new king had to write the entirety of the book of the law back then. They had to write it because God God wanted them not to get off course. He wanted them to know it. They were not to give themselves to wine and drinking or they would get away from this. There were certain things that they were commanded to do and one of them was to write this down. And folks, that's what they're doing to these believers as they say, when you get together, write, remind each other of this book and it should govern every aspect of your life. If you get there with moms and they're not doing certain things right with their children or discipline because they're new people, take them to the Word. Take them to the apostles' doctrine. Show them how to discipline the children. Show them how to, how, to, how to live. If they're not acting a certain way, talking about their husband or a husband talking about his wife, take them into the Scriptures and show them through God's Word. So remember the apostles' doctrine. Teach, remember this as you're gathering together. Let it come up. Let it go, come up as you're fellowshipping. Let it come up as you're in the house. Let, let Begin to discuss it. It's not so much just gathering around and 
teaching. It's let it, we ought to know it. It ought to just come up in conversation at the lunch table and come into conversation as we're gathered having a barbecue in the backyard. Let it come up. Let it flow in and out of our conversations. And that's what they said. We're going to devote ourselves to the apostles' doctrine. Then they said we're going to devote ourselves to koinonia, to fellowship. And that's basically the whole overall theme of what we're talking about is these things flowing out of us getting together. That's so vital to get together. I'm thankful for the people in here looking after uh, Bill Fraley, uh, Marcy's uncle, who lost his wife. He's a widower now. And folks, you talk about being a widower of that generation that doesn't even know how to turn on a, a, a load of laundry, uh, figure out the machine. Hey, you ought to be over there helping him know how to do those things, how to cook a meal. A guy that never cooked a meal because the, the wife always cooked the meal and now he's there by himself. Who's checking on him to find out, does he have a meal tonight? for him. Uh, you are. Thank God there's several of you that are. But God wants to see all of us move in this joint participation. It's not just him. Dale Kittle. Are we checking on? Yes. Some of you are checking on Dale Kittle and Sue and the family. Do they need a meal? Do they need something to help them or just an encouragement? Catherine's story. Somebody's going to see a widow over there and to look after her. Fellowship is so, so vital. A new person that comes into the church and they have no friends in, in believers. All their friends are with unbelievers. Where are they going to go hang out if they are not invited to your house or to you to go play putt-putt or top golf or whatever else it is that you can go and build a relationship with them or come to a men's canoeing? It's important. This fellowship is vital and the early church recognized this and began to move in it. And it wasn't them moving themselves in it lest you want to say, well, that ain't important. No, it was the Spirit of God moving them to do this. Like a symphony. And then we come to today, number three. It's this overflow of a life of Jesus. This is what Jesus did. This is what Jesus does. You want to know what Jesus did? Look at him. He's not always in the temple. He's not always in a synagogue. He's out laughing with the guys. He's out with 12 guys living life, going around spreading the gospel. He's, he's, he's eating in tax collectors' homes, trying to win them to the Lord. The man's out do, He's out fellowshipping, and everybody on the church calling him a wine-bibber and a drunkard. He's out doing, he's out, he's, he's out there moving and, 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 and inviting people over and in people's houses, in Peter's. I guess he, he didn't have a house. Foxes uh, have holes and birds of the air have nests. So I guess he said, Peter. Peter, hey, we're coming to your house and we're bringing a whole entourage, right? And they're going to tear your roof off, maybe. So, but, but breaking a bread, what, what does that mean exactly? There's a history behind breaking a bread. And, and how many has ever been to a wedding? Oh, y'all liars. Everybody in here has been to a wedding. Some of y'all need the altar. <laughs> if you've been to a wedding, you'll find the history of breaking of bread. And I hate we've gotten away from these things in our culture and are changing things now. And, that, and, and I don't teach them anymore, so we don't appreciate them. But when you go to a wedding, the most important part and the fun part is the food and the reception. 
Even in Jesus' time, they recognized this, right? I mean, and, 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 and there's a reason for that. You say, oh, that, that's, uh, no, you, you just wait. There is a big time reason of what is going on in that meal together that you're going to be shocked. And we've got several people coming up, three weddings that I know of in this church. We've got Max, we've got, we've got, uh, uh, we've got uh, Mary Kate, we've got Cole. We've got several weddings, and I hope that by the end of this, uh, this, this message, you're going you're gonna to Gonna, uh, and forgive me if I forgot anybody else, but, but th- there's going to be, uh, you're going to see these things played out now, and I hope this message, you'll remember it, that you have this ceremony, and you have afterwards this, this feast together, and you have all this food that's going on together. You have rejoicing, you have dancing, you have introducing of the wedding party, and, and the bride and groom, and, and have you ever asked yourself why a meal? Is it just to have a feast, just to have a party after? Is it just because it's tradition? Is it just to feed the family who's driven a long way and maybe it's supper time and we better feed them because they got a long way to go back? And, and, and so and, uh, none of those are the case. There's actually the reason that the Bible tells me uh, that, is, uh, that this feast is so important in the marriage is because marriage is a covenant. Marriage is a covenant. And, 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 and we've looked at covenant at the beginning of this year. And the marriage is a covenant lifted straight out of the Bible. And, and, and it's a biblical covenant. And it's a strong covenant. It's a man to woman. We often say man to man like Jonathan and David. I'll call this one a man to woman covenant here in the Bible. But it is a, it, it's, 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 it's a covenant that is taking place in the marriage that actually uh, is in every single covenant in the Bible. If you got a covenant in the Bible, what you're going to see these things, they come right out of those covenant in the Bible and they are lifted out of scripture and they're brought into the marriage. For instance, the vows that you take in your marriage are brought out of covenant. They're taken out of the Bible and they're brought out of covenant. We make promises to one another because that is the biblical pattern that we find in every covenant and there are vows that God upholds and wants us to uphold. And that's what we have. We also have the exchanging of rings. That's not just so we can get a little bling bling and get excited and show that off. No, there are rings. We exchange rings because in every covenant we see this happening that there are... uh, that there is this never-ending circle in the covenant. There is this unbreakable covenant that we are that we are coming together and joining in. Malachi chapter two tells us about the third thing that are there, and that is witnesses. There are witnesses to a covenant. Malachi chapter two. If you didn't know it, guys, if you didn't know this, let me tell you about this witness. In Malachi chapter two, it says God is the witness to the marriage covenant. We come before God today and these witnesses to join these two in holy matrimony. Right? That ain't Hollywood. That's covenant. That, 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 is, that, is, that, is, that, that is covenant. And then another thing found in covenant is after that, there comes a meal. There comes a meal shared at the completion of 
the covenant, to ratify the covenant. In every situation we see that, it's formulated that the place of agreement and participation by both sides and both parties would be strengthened to keep the covenant alive and well. So both sides come together now and they eat the meal together in joint participation to say, yes, we're keeping the covenant. We, we recognize the covenant. We acknowledge the covenant. So the meal unites the two families families that were otherwise strangers. What happens when you come in at the beginning? Bride side, groom side. Two separate people. Two separate families. Two separate sets of friends. Two separate sets of community. When these two come together and they stand before God and they make a vow or a promise to each other, then we, the witnesses, them, the families, the friends, are now at a meal all mingled together, joined together as one. Your friends are going to be my friends. Your strength is going to be my strength. Your money is going to be my money. Your, your body is going to be my body. Everything is joined together as one and they're united and you your protection is going to be my protection. And we eat a meal together to say, we celebrate this now. If we would look at weddings that way, how many of you look at weddings that you've attended and say, I just ate a meal joined together with these two to promise to give my resources to protect this union forever. No, we're out talking, hey girl, I heard he did that to you, you are uh, skedaddle. No, you just sat in agreement with a covenant that you will protect it and every bit of resources that you have are going to be seen so that Caleb and Amber's marriage make it to the end. Every, every, every bit of resource now, you're joining together with these families and every bit of resource that you have is going to guarantee that, that, that uh, Max and Maddie, uh, that, they're gonna, that the two will become one and that they're going to be joined together and we're going to fight for them. We're going to fight for their deliverance. We're going to fight through their fights. We're going to fight through their disagreements. We're going to, we're, we're going to help them when they're struggling. That, and how much if we would look at other people in this church and begin to say, I'm in covenant with that one. I'm in a covenant with that one. I'm joined together with that one. I ate a meal together with that one. And we're going to fight for these people. And we're going to look after these people. And we're going to support these people because that's what that marriage covenant was about. That's what the koinonia was about. That's what... That's that's what to come together together in a meal was these two otherwise strangers are now combined to one. There's a mixture and it is called family. Before we were strangers, now we're combined. So we sit down at the feast. We're saying my strengths are your strengths. And, and the meal, my resources are going to be combined with your resources. No longer separate, separate this and separate chicken and separate that. We're combining. We're one. We're, 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 we're coming together. We're, we're declaration of we're combining everything for the success of this union. We're not working against each other. We're working for each other. We're yielding 100% of ourselves up to this person. Hey, if you're not yielding 100% of yourself to that other person, then don't go through with this. I'm giving you 100%. This is unification of our strengths together. And that's why Paul in Corinthians 7 says, Your body is not your own now. 
It's not your own now. And some of us don't like that, 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 that talking. Some of us don't like, and we want to cut those points. That's why you're a good topical preacher. You won't ever touch that subject. But if you're a good expositor, you, you will have to deal with that, with that subject one day. And you'll have to read it in your Bible and it had to uh, convict your heart. And you'll have a decision either to harden your heart or to, or to bend your knee to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and accept His words. Amen? Malachi 2.14 says, I'm not answering your prayer because you're not sticking with the agreement. Go read it about marriage. Go read it about divorce. He says, I'm not sticking with your prayers because you aren't sticking. You folks, it matters. This matters. These vows we make. These promises we make. Us sitting there giving witness. Does anybody object to this? Speak now or forever hold your peace. You're promising. You're putting your agreement. You're coming in to covenant with these people. And you're, you're promising strength. You're promising joint participation. Is this, you say, well, where is this in Scripture? Is there any validity about this in Scripture? Absolutely. I'll show you covenant in the Scripture. We, combining of strengths together. Coming together. We see it for, in a place in Genesis uh, where Isaac and Abimelech come together. The Bible says in Genesis 26, 28 through 30. These two men are together. And Abimelech is the king of the Philistines. And, and, and there's some... Uh, Isaac there's a famine that comes into the land and all of a sudden there's, uh, there begin to come some disagreements kind of like Lot's men where they get so big and they, Isaac's being blessed he's getting some wealth and all of a sudden now they become the, Abimelech's getting worried he, they're covering up the Philistines have covered up a lot of the wells that, that his dad Abraham had had, had 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 and they're plugging them up and all kinds of disputes are going on Abimelech tells him he needs to leave he'll leave he'll build another well and they'll take that well and he'll dig another well and they'll say we want that well and they leave that well and then all this is going on and eventually Abimelech starts seeing all this and he wants to make a covenant with Isaac and so the two come together and say let's make a covenant and if you look at verse 28 it says they made an oath or a promise together in verse 29 in other words uh, uh, the things that they said were important verse 29 they said there's not going to be any hurt between the two of us no evil is permitted on either side and that's what we do in marriage and other covenants we're saying hey I got your back and you got your my back you can trust me I will not uh, you know we are we are we are good yeah nobody's gonna hurt you and nobody's gonna hurt me and so they 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 form this covenant they form this bond and neither side will take advantage I will not take advantage of you and you'll not take advantage of me and so they join in this covenant and and usually they 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 take animals and slay it and all these other things but then verse 30 says, and they made a feast. They break bread. They make the covenant. They make the promises. They make the vows. They break bread and they sit down together now. And the two are joined in this meal together where we will honor what we've just done and what we've just said. And we will celebrate this meal together and we'll seal the covenant.
Makes me think about Passover and the Passover meal, which we find in Exodus 12, 7 through 17, where all of them are in Exodus. And there's been a promise. No, there's been a covenant. Hold on. Years and years ago, in fact, 490 or 430 or years earlier, God has already said, you're going to go into captivity, but some 400 years later, I'm bringing you out of captivity. So there's already a promise. There's already a vow that's made between the two. There's already a covenant that's been made. And now we come to the place where we're going to have the deliverance, where we're going to ratify the covenant, where we're going to enact the covenant. So what does God say? I want you to participate with me in this. I'm going to participate in your life, and now I want you to participate in mine. I'm about to go through the city. I want you to get yourself prepared. I want you to be dressed. I want you to be dressed a certain way. I want sandals on your feet. This is going to be the beginning of a new day for you and a new dawn for you. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to come through the land and there's going to be judgment. But I want to, but I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to take care of you. And so I want joint participation. And we're going to sit down and we're going to have a meal together. So tonight, here's what I want you to do. I want every man to take a, a, a lamb and I want you to take that lamb and keep it up to 14 days. I want you to inspect it. I want you to take that thing. I want you to slit its throat. I want you to put it on a spigot. I don't want you to boil it. I want you to put it on an oven rusted fire. I want you to keep all of it together. It's head, it's legs, everything. I want you to roast the thing. If you ain't got enough people in your house that can eat it, get with the neighbor. And the two of y'all can eat it together. I don't want one speck of that lamb left. I want you to eat it. If there is a speck of it left, I want you to take it outside and I want you to burn it. I want you to burn the remains of it. And then I want you to take the blood that comes out of that lamb and I want you to take it and put it on the lintel and on the doorpost. And when my angel passes through that night to bring judgment on the land, I will pass over you. And they eat this meal saying we are in joint agreement that your strength is ours and that you are coming through the land tonight and you are going to bring our deliverance. And the Passover meal was a participation in what God is about to do. Are you going to participate in what I'm about to do? If so, let's sit down and agree together. Let's eat this meal together because here's what I'm about to do. And this is a unification of man and God. That's what's taking place there. He's saying, be ready. You're going to have a part. Be ready for your deliverance. And it's brilliant. That's why we break bread together. And that's why we're, he's saying, everybody that breaks bread with me is part of what I am doing. I'm in participation in your life. I'm working in your life. And when you break bread with this, y'all all look so sad. Wake up. Y'all look sad. Smile. You look like your hands are down and like the enemy's just dancing over your head, not listening to a word. God is good. Hear the word. Dear Jesus, dear Jesus, I know the enemy as I sow the word is coming by and he's stealing it. I know he's coming by to steal it out of their minds. I know just like the birds that get into trees and they're just like those old black birds and they're just coming down to steal the word of God from being sown into the hearts and minds. God, we, God, I see what I needed to preach on with Hebrews. God, there needs to be an igniting of Jesus in our hearts now because 
because God, we just this year has been so tough on us and we're just getting so, so waning in our hearts and the fire is going out. Dear God, rekindle the fire, dear God. Rekindle the fire. Give us a fresh revelation of Jesus today, God. And be the lifter of our head and lift up our countenance. I know hearing things like a, like a little boy being in the hospital is so depressing. I know the things we see on the news are so depressing. I know, God, every day we're being pummeled on all sides. But dear Jesus, let this be the place we come into. And God, we are reminded, God. Then I went to the house of God and I was reminded of their end. Then I went to the house of God and Lord, you turned beauty into ashes. Then I went to the house of God and Lord, I was reminded that you're for us and not against us and that you win, God. And you, you lift our hearts up, God. Lift up people's hearts in this place and let them be of no longer any sad countenance, dear God. Let joy come into their hearts and into their spirits today. Fill them with the Holy Spirit, the new wine, the new wine, God. Let them taste and see that you are good, God. Even in the midst of adversity, you're good. You're good. You're good. Like Brother Elijah Popa, they were the best of times. The times we were living in under communism, they were the best of times because we had never been so close to God. Oh, dear God, let us see that God, no matter the times, these are the best of times because you're with us, God, and you're teaching us and you're leading us and you are, you are kicking the rear end out of the devil in these last days. And Lord, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Not meaning to put you down. One day I'll bring you up here and let you see your faces. <laughs> some days mine looks like that from up here. I know I, look, I go home and watch some of these things and I say, God, Brad, you look so angry. And I'm praying for myself. So please, please, I'm not condemning any, anyone here. I just want our minds to be focused for just a few minutes longer on the Word of God and get this. It's brilliant why we break bread together. He says, I want you to be part of what I'm doing. When you break bread, you're acknowledging this, this and expect Him to come in. You're expecting when you break this bread, Him to come in to your heart and to, and to, and to live inside of you. And His strengths become your strength. And, and His power becomes your power. That's how... That's what this is about, folks. This is not when we say, oh, and they devoted themselves to breaking the bread. No, this is huge. This is huge what they're doing when they break that bread. And this is why we must do this when we come together in our groups is when we break bread, we are remembering what God has done and what He's promised and what He's doing in our life. And the Lamb of God is inside of us. And that's where we come after the Passover. His strengths are becoming mine and He'll use that for His purposes. And so they eat a meal, and then we come to the Last Supper, and they do exactly that again. They're ready to participate in the deliverance. God says, Jesus says, prepare this thing. Everything that God planned from the foundation of the world was now unfolding 2,000 years later. Brother, there was a promise. Not just there, old. Oh, he just decided Calvary. No, before you were ever thought of, before you were ever conceived, before the foundation of the world, our God worked this self, this out. Out and, and, and had planned this and now he shows up at just the right period of time. We've had the law, we've had the prophets, we've had the other covenant and at just the right period of time Jesus self, 
God Himself steps on the planet Earth, the Bible tells us, and He comes to die and pay for the sins of humanity and the entire world. He's coming to ratify the new covenant. I'm fixing to give a deliverance greater than Egypt saw. I'm fixing to give a deliverance greater than people that came out and went across the Red Sea away from Pharaoh. I'm fixing to give a deliverance of mankind that's been in bondage since the garden, since Adam fell. I'm fixing to deliver the captives and set the captives free and bring these people out of bondage. But before I do that, I must eat a meal. Hey, 12, go, go, go here. There'll be a man with a water pot. It is necessary. We've got to eat Passover. I've got, I, I desire eagerly to eat this meal with you. I must eat this meal before I get your deliverance. You must participate with me in this deal. And so we must sit down together. We must break bread. Because here the covenant has been established, the terms of the covenant, and now I'm fixing to go by your deliverance. And or I want your participation. I want you to get ready. I want you to get ready to move out. I want because I'm fixing to do something for you. I'm participating in your life, and I'm going to come inside of your life, and my strength is going to become your strength. You're going to be walk out in pornography. You're going to be able to walk out of drugs. You're going to be able to walk because my strength now, I'm giving it to you. My power now, I'm giving it to you. Wait in the city of Jerusalem because I'm telling you when I get through with Calvary and I'm resurrected my father is going to send the power of the Holy Spirit not to be outside of you but to live inside of your life don't you see what I'm doing here don't you understand will you agree with me will you take this bread and will you eat and will you take this cup and will you drink and when you do you're participating in, taking, in what is taking place and what I'm about to do on the cross. And, 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 and this participation of those that are going to benefit, that we're going to be beneficiaries of God's strength and of God's power and of God's uh, love and of God's mercy and of God's of forgiveness. And so Jesus himself is sitting down and saying, I want you to take and I want you to eat this bread. Why? Because you are going to be participants in what I am accomplishing. You are saying you want to participate in what I'm my, my deliverance, what I'm about to do in the earth. And that's what he's saying. That's why, that's why he says, if you drink this unworthily, if you eat this unworthily, folks, often we're going back to ourselves worried about us. It ain't about that. It's about you seeing Christ properly. Amen. It's all about Him. That's what we're going to find out in the book of, of Hebrews. Get over yourself. It's about Him. See Him and you'll never be the same. Follow Him and you'll never be the same. Get Jesus. Get Jesus. Oh Lord, that You may open our eyes to see Your glory. Oh God, that's what's transformative. That's what changes us. That's what would cause people to come in here and not look so downcast. They'll be like Peter up on the Mount of Transfiguration and they'll say, I don't ever want to leave this place. Oh, I wish if you would see His glory, you'd say, I don't ever want to leave that church again. 
or my room or wherever he appears to you at. He would say, I never want to leave this place. I had a friend yesterday I pray with, I pray with, and, 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 and he said something. And we've shared a lot. He struggled in the past with pornography and things just a lot of the same similar. And we pray for one another. And he said, he said, Brad, I'm going to tell you something. He said, yesterday, and I hope he wouldn't mind me sharing this, but, but he said yesterday, he said there were some neighbors and all kind of ruckus, and there was these women over there at a pool in all kind of bikinis. And he said, he said I, I just, the first instinct was almost to look, and then the Lord said, look up, look up. And, and, and when he looked up, he said, the heavens declare my glory. And we just sat there and talked for, for two hours on the phone yesterday in fellowship in Konea about, and in prayer about how God's glory will cause you to leave all of that. And it pales, it makes the world pale. You want to leave the world? You're not going to leave the world by just trying to leave the world. See Jesus, and you'll leave the world. See Him in all of His glory. See Him and you'll not want it. All the things of the world will pale. The reason we love the world is we have not seen Him in all of His glory. We've seen a different Jesus and a different gospel. One you tried when you were a little person and you never, and it was different than the one in this book. No, if you see Him like Isaiah, I saw Him high and lifted up and His train filled the temple. And I said, dear God, I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. Touch your coal off the altar and make me clean. And then he said, Lord, here I am. Send me. My life is yours. I don't have to go to college. I don't have to have a good job. Send me wherever you want to go, whatever you want me to do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so they sit down in this meal together. And the reason it's so important that Jesus eats this Passover meal together is because you can't have the ceremony of what He's doing on the cross without the participation of those that are going to benefit from us from it. So He wants this participation of the people that are going to benefit from it in this meal with Him. So Jesus is sitting down and He's saying, I want you to take and I want you to eat this bread because you are going to participate in what I'm accomplishing. And it was this fellowshipping, this bonding together as you as a believer and I are entering into everything God has done. So every time we come together and eat a meal together, in, with this in mind, we are saying we're remembering the Lord's death until He comes. That's what we're doing. We're remembering. We're in joint participation. We're remembering that God is participating with me. God's strength is my strength. And God's abilities are my abilities. And God is interested in me. And that's why I want to break bread. That's why He wants us to break bread. And, and as often as you do this, you are saying that I want to participate in what God has done through His Son Jesus Christ on the cross. So the next wedding you're at and when you're looking down at the routine chicken on the plate that looks disgusting don't look at the chicken and complain and murmur and gripe and say oh here's another regular wedding meal. No take another look and say I'm eating this meal because I'm a witness to help these people succeed in being joined together. Amen. And if we did that, like I said in here, if we all realize this is my, I'm on his team and I've got to make sure that he succeeds. I'm on that team and I've got to make sure in that team and we're going to make sure each other succeeds and collectively we'll stand with everyone here. Because that's what God was saying when he broke bread with them. I'm going to stand with you and I'm going to see you through and I'm going to deliver you out of this. And they said, we agree. Home, we'll eat and we'll be part of that 
that. And that's exactly what they did. And it happens in clans, folks. This has gone on for centuries in clans. Where you have clans, you have the 12 tribes that, that had sense of covenant where they come together and they would, the northern region, they would say, hey, Naphtala is being attacked in the northern region. They'd get the shofar out. And they'd sound it. And all of a sudden you would see a tribe down here from the other region that would come running to help defend because they were in covenant together. If you, my strengths are your strengths, you're being overtaken. Oh, hold on, we'll be right there. And then, and then they had broken bread together to say that and to agree to that. And boy, they take off and begin to defend each other. And they and they go against to, to defeat the enemy and push the enemy back. And they practice a form of covenant, and their strengths would be joined to beat back the enemy. And folks, that's what we got to learn to do in here. Rather than fighting against each other, picking each other apart, talking about one of each other's weaknesses. No, we need to go like Moses and we need to uh, his sons uh, or Noah's sons when he's drunk they didn't go in there and say how dare you you're not a Christian anymore oh I, I'm so embarrassed by you I'm going to spread this around to every brother and sister I know no the son went in backwards with a cloak and covered his father's nakedness and we need to quit spreading everybody's sins around and start covering their shame because that's what God does for you he covers you. He didn't come exploit you out here. He covers you when you, when you repent. And, and He asks for you to forgive. Now, now, let me close right here because I'm going a long time, 12.04. Let me close right here. But let me give you a, a lasting example to bring this thing around full circle and to close this thing out. We've gone from Genesis. We've gone to Exodus. We've gone to Luke to the Last Supper. And now let me jump ahead to the Corinthian church because let me tell you what they were doing and what had begun to happen. They said, let's, they, they had a good idea and they had the, the, the right idea, but they, had, they, they, but, they, but, but they had problems going on. In the, in the Corinthian church, much like we see today in, in this carnal world that we're in. They said, let's get together and eat a meal. And, and they begin to break bread like they had always done. And, and, and they had the right idea, but the wrong practice because they didn't realize this breaking of bread is to unify and not to separate. If you're here in this church and you're trying to separate anybody, you, you're on dangerous ground. It's about unifying. It's about unifying. Now, I'm not talking about if there's a, a, a wolf in here, but I'm talking about it, it's about unifying this body together. And I dare, I dare say I don't want to be the one to fight against God. You're, you're in here, and the Corinthian church was coming together. They had rich. They had poor. They were bringing their food together to the, what was called the Lord's table, the Bible says. And the Bible says they began to be indulged. They begin to indulge in their self. And in verse 24, it says, Paul comes to bring correction. And he says, he says, no, the breaking of bread is my body which has broken you. So do this in remembrance for me. They were bringing their gobs of food, the rich, and they weren't sharing it with the poor. They were dividing the church off rather than unifying the church and bringing it together and bringing all their stuff together and having everything in common and helping one another and helping the weaker and helping the other rather than breaking the meal together and say, hey, we're coming together in joint participation. I, me for you, my strength for you, your strength for me. We're coming together in this group. No, they weren't doing that anymore. They were coming together in all kind of selfishness. I'm a Paul. I'm of Apollos. I like this. I like that. I like this music. I like that music. I like this version. I don't like that version. I don't like this. I don't like that. I don't like your clothes. I don't like your clothes. I wear suits to church. I wear skinny jeans. I wear hair gel. I don't. I wear a bun. And all this fighting and division. And Paul sets correction to them 
which Paul was so good to do. Everybody thinks we can't correct. Every letter in the Bible is a letter of correction. So all you that so soft you can't tell anybody they're wrong, I got news for you. You're not reading the same Bible I read. And you're not loving with the same love that these men loved. And, and, and so, and so uh, they come together and Paul says, this is, this is the Lord's body, so do this in remembrance. And what he's saying is, remember what I did on the cross, Jesus is saying. Remember the victory that was accomplished on your behalf. Remember your sins that were dealt with by the power of God. Remember the victory that was on, uh, obtained. And when you take that, uh, uh, that Calvary is now present with you in Jesus Christ. So Paul brings correction to the body and he says, when you take Take this cup. This cup is about forgiveness. And when you take this bread, this bread is about forgiveness. So now the praise team can come up and we can do, I can only imagine. But let me bring you to the Acts 2.42 uh, and, 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 uh, and bring it all the way full circle. You have the early church where we started. 3,000 have been added to the church in Acts 2, the Bible says. And Peter preached. Then we see a few chapters over or another chapter or so. We see 5,000 that were added to the church. So now that's 8,000 people that have been added to the church. Groups are flocking to the temple now to pray. Groups are flocking into houses now to pray. Groups are flocking into whatever. If they got a a church in this home or a church in that home, they are flocking. All 8,000 people are finding places to meet with one another, to gather with one another, to be together, to talk about the apostles' doctrine, and talk about all these things. They're doing all these things. And when you get together in the homes, the apostles say, and the Spirit of God God says, I want you to make sure that when you get together in these places, stay true to the word. It's about fellowship. And when you gather together, break bread. In other words, remember why you are there, that it's the victory of somebody else. And when you start getting into groups in the days ahead, as we're forced into homes, as we're forced into hiding places, as we're forced into groups sometimes because we can't get here and we got to go somewhere else, as we're forced, and I'm praying about how to contend with that and deal with that in the next days so that we don't get locked out of fellowshipping with each other. So pray for me and pray for the leadership of this church and pray for pastors everywhere as we maneuver these weird waters that we're living in in the days ahead. But he said, when you get together, and this is something will you remember on foundation if you find that you're in a place gathered with a group of believers in a small group somewhere, make sure, devote yourself, Brookside Church of God, to staying true to the Word of God in those groups. to, to, To fellowship in those groups, to gathering and breaking bread, remembering Christ is our victor. Christ bought our deliverance. We participate with Him in what He has done for us. And, and, and I'm entering into the fullness of what He's done in my life. I'm, I'm, entering, I'm going to walk in that strength, going to walk in that righteousness, going to walk in that power. And let's remember that that is ours and that He resides in us. The God of the universe lives. And that's what we're doing, folks, when we come together and we break that bread. We break bread. And, and, and and we're saying and remembering these things. And the Bible says there that they had all things, they can they had all things in common. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking in bread and prayers. And then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together, and they had all things in common, not like the Corinthians. See? No, that's my food. You ain't getting my food. That's my drink. We're not breaking bread with you. 
No, no, that, that's not of God. This is of God on Acts 2, 2 here. They came together. They had all things in common when they broke the bread. And they sold their possession and goods, divided them among all as anyone had need. And that's your participation, coming together in that participation. So they continued daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. In other words, when they did these things, gladness and exuberance came because they saw that Jesus is now working in our our lives. He's delivering us. He's powering us. He's doing all these things. They were glad. And then it said they did it with simplicity of heart, which means don't complicate it. It was just simplicity. It's just our singleness of heart. It's simplicity. Don't overcomplicate Christianity. God is no longer mad at you. He loves you. God is no longer mad at you. He loves you. He wants you. He wants to be with you. That's what we ought to be telling the world. He wants you to be in his life. So remember this. And so, Father, we love you. We thank you, God. I pray somebody, God, that this got through somebody's spirit, through somebody's heart, through somebody's mind, God. And, and Lord, your word says that it's like a two-edged sword. It pierces. It pierces, God. And I pray the word of God today has pierced through our hearts because, God, man can't live by every uh, by, by, by word alone or food alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Dear God, I, I don't see these messages anymore as something I just come up here like I used to, that I wanted to see seats full. God, that I got disappointed when they weren't, that I, 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 I just looked at people and was upset because this one wasn't here, God, and I wanted to really kill and nail the sermon so people would pat me on the back and say, man, that was a great sermon today. God, I, I, I'm not in that day anymore. And God, I... I I just, Lord, there may be a day that, that, that uh, we've seen lockdowns. We've seen, uh, God, places where we're having to gather maybe in the future in weird ways and in weird times. And God, these messages now, Lord, we need to be taking notes, whether it's physically or whether it's mental notes or whether it's spiritual notes. Because, so, Lord, if, if I'm taken away, another one's got to step up, God. <laughs> and they got to know how to do it. they got to know how to do Christianity. This is not a watch. This is a participation. This is a participative sport. We're all, we all need to be in the game. We all need to be involved. And so, Father, we can't be on the sidelines anymore. So let us hear the Word of God intently. And let us take note of it and be prepared that, Lord, as we gather together in our homes in the, in the coming days and in the coming weeks, God, and in the coming months, dear God, that, that we're devoted we're devoted to these things as we gather. We're devoted. As you add to the church, and I believe you want to add to the church, you want to see salvations come. And we're seeing salvations come because people are afraid. And people are, are, are seeing the handwriting on the wall. And God, people are turning back to you. And I believe they will want to turn back to you. Many are falling away, but I believe there's going to be a remnant that turn to you. And God, may they turn now while it's the day of salvation of today. And Lord, may they turn to you. And may they devote themselves to the breaking of bread and, 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 and to the, the apostles' doctrine and to fellowship and to prayer, God. And Lord, we praise you and we love you and we honor you. And so my altar call is simply this, and you can answer that right in the seat where you are if you need to pray up here. You're welcome to. But, but I'm going to go and get the victory and be a partaker of it. And I'm going to eat this by faith. That's what they did at the Passover. And that's what we're going to do and remind ourselves together today. And if you've never prayed uh, that, you, that you got God on your side, 
and that you're able to participate in the heavenly calling, that he's know, to know that he's fighting your battle, then do that today. And if you've never, never asked Christ, just, just you're praying, I want to be a participator. I want the strength of God to be mine in every trial that I go through. And I'm praying for that. And I'm asking for that. And I'll pray for that for you. And then anybody here that's never asked Jesus in your life, and you say, I want Jesus as my Savior, just simply open your mouth and ask him to come in and to save you and to, and to forgive you and to be the Lord of your life.